on the tee, Jack Nicholas. This is the minute that millions around the world have waited for. We will allow you to enjoy all of this. They are dancing in the pubs of Dublin. Harrington with an ace. And we have a shining star at sunset. Rory continues his run to greatness. The return to glory. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the Bogeyman Golf Podcast hosted by Michael and Johnny. In this episode, we are going to have our open recap. It's the audio from our live show that we did on Friday. The audio from that's a little bit sketchy on my part, but we have fixed that. We've resolved that issue. So any more live shows going forward and that won't be a problem. But before we get into that, a reminder that the Bogeyman Golf Podcast is brought to you by Sports Direct. Sports Direct is a proud premium partner of the KPMG Women's Irish Open. You can shop in store or online at sportsdirect.com golf starts here and as part of that partnership i sat down with Eamon o'donnell the director of golf at Dromol and castle golf club Dromol are going to be hosting the kpmg women's arch open for the second year in a row now so i sat down with him to talk about how the event went last year how they're planning to make the event bigger and better this year from moving the tended village to right next to the 18th green at the castle to planning to have more spectators in the site they're looking at 35,000 over the four days to even having bigger names within the field so obviously we've seen the likes of Anne Van Dam, Annabelle Dimmock even Dame Laura Davies are going to be in the field competing this week so it's going to be a really really special week it's part of a festival of Irish golf that's going on two weeks before that's the ISPS Handa up in Galgorm the following week is the Horizon Irish Open and down into K-Club so it's going to be a really really good week really really good month of golf in Ireland so without any further ado here's my chat with Eamon O'Donnell Director of Golf at Dromolan Castle Sports Direct proud premium partners at this year's KPMG Women's Irish Open shop in store or online at sportsdirect.com golf starts here now guys I'm delighted to say that I'm joined by Director of Golf here at Dromon Castle, Eamon O'Donnell. Eamon how are you? Johnny, fantastic. Great to welcome you back to the, the wild west of Ireland as they'd say. Yeah, happy to be back. It's uh, well, my second or third visit uh, overall. I was here for the week of the Women's Irish Open and once or twice before that. Yeah. The dust has settled now, we're leading back into 2023 in the Women's Irish Open. But let's look back at the first year of the event. How was it from your side? Yeah, I suppose look, it was a it was a process that we went through to actually see the event come back on the schedule, and you know we were very proud um, from a team perspective of what we delivered on. Um, I think the event itself was one of the sporting highlights of the of the year in in Ireland. Um, it kind of I suppose let us all when we finished it, we were, you know, I suppose from a team point of view, we were quite emotional of the success and the feedback from both the players and spectators and, you know, our partners involved in the event as well. So it's, it's one of those that's always going to be a highlight, um, you know, of anyone's career. And, you know, I, I, speaking on behalf of everyone, the team at Drummond, you know, when everyone anyone mentions to mentions uh, the event to us, you know, it kind of just brings a smile to the face. And it's, it's one of those magical weeks uh, that we had, but obviously there was a lot of work went in behind the scenes in, in advance of it. And, you know, it's, uh, it was, it's kind of, it's one of the, the great memories I'll always have in, in Irish golf. Sure. When we did the preview video for the Bogeyman, yep. uh, I asked when you'll get the chance to relax, enjoy the moment. You said that you'd take a drink with your team after the, on the Sunday or the Monday afterwards. Did you get that drink? Uh, Sunday night, um, I would have had my, 
my first drink with the team and uh, with our, 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 our winner, Clara, and her team. Um, so we had, we had a couple of beverages along with the, uh, the team from the Ladies European Tour and you know, our, um, uh, our team then from Forefront Sports were with us as well and uh, a couple of our partners from KPMG on Monday. So we all let our hair down. Um, unfortunately, we did have to come back to the office on Monday morning. Um, so we were, we were back bright and early. But you know, it was kind of, I suppose, it, it was a, a celebration of what the week was. Um, you know, everyone say the relief of getting through the week is great, one thing. But you know, when we all look back to you know that that evening itself, we kind of celebrated. You know, from an initial idea we had to kind of then see it coming full circle and actually delivering on what the week uh, meant to see people. You know, what it meant to people who attended. It, um, you know, from players, spectators, and, and for the team here itself to see it all come to fruition was great. So I was with you for for most of the week working at the event as well, and. What did it mean? What did it feel like when players started to arrive the Sunday beforehand and the Monday beforehand, and you felt that okay, all of the work and the fact that it hadn't been on the schedule for ten years mm. is now coming to a, its its climax. Now, as the week is here, the players have arrived, the course is ready. Now it's game time. What's what's your overriding feeling when you first see I, the few players? I suppose on the Sunday evening when the first buses arrived um, from the players. Um, you know, you, that was the excitement part. You knew then that okay, it, it, it is actually happening. It is here. Um, you know, thankfully, all the work was done in advance. So um, once we got to effectively the Sunday night and Monday morning, um, you know, we we knew we did all the work and the preparation to done. So it was kind of it's kind of okay. We need to deliver on what we promised. And you know, it it, it was it was excitement to see the, the, that bus pull up outside Drummond. Uh, you know, and all the players to see to come on. You know, a lot of them was their first time playing golf in Ireland. You know, the event had disappeared for ten years, um, so not alone were they coming to see Drummond for the first time, but you know, to play golf in Ireland itself and, and see a, a women's professional event back on in, in on Irish soil after ten years was great. So, um, you know, it was just the excitement of the whole week and kind of what led to store. Um, did we think it was going to be as successful as it was? And you know, the crowds that were there on the Sunday evening, we we hoped. We always hoped and you know, we were always kind of, I'm a glass half full kind of guy as you know Johnny, so I would have been always optimistic but uh, I suppose from the Sunday of the, of the initial arrival to the Sunday uh, celebrating with the, with the winner, um, you know, what kind of transpired in the middle there was, uh, was the celebration of golf really. Yeah, and there's lots of things that you can account for, like the weather firstly, the, we the weather played, wall, played ball for the most part, Thursday yeah. was a little hairy but yeah, yeah. Like I, I kind of promised the tournament director and um, Alexander Amos, who's the the CEO of the LET, they were over with us, and Michael Woods, who was our tournament director for the week, were, were fantastic to deal with. And I promised them two and a half years ago when I had the initial conversation with him that we guarantee you the good weather in Ireland. Um, now, as brave, you know, thir Thursday morning, myself and our superintendent Paul Coleman, uh, we're standing outside on the putting green at half five in the morning. And to say it was biblical at this stage was uh, was an understatement, and we're there thinking, my God, we we, are, we could be in trouble here. Um, but I suppose, thankfully, the course with the with the investment in it was able to withstand that deluge of rain, and we didn't see any delays on on Thursday morning, and the weather got better and better as the week progressed. So, um, you know, I'd like to think that that's we're being looked on kindly for, I suppose, putting on the event and giving a, a platform for the women to showcase their talents. Yeah. Well, the other things that you can't account for, but came to fruition is the fact that the big names turned up and performed from our own Irish perspective. Leona was in the mix all the way through to the final round, but from round one, some of the bigger names were, were performing and, and, and that really helps the tournament kind of yeah. grab people's attention, having, having the local favourite or the home hero in contention. 
that must have been a relief, but also really exciting. Yeah, look, what Leona has done for women's golf in Ireland is, you know, I think is, is a testament to both her talents, but also her as a person. Um, you know, she, she, she will admit herself, she struggled on the Friday. Um, she had to battle to, I suppose, to, to ensure that she was here for the weekend. But once she got here in the weekend, um, you know, she, she tried, she try, I've never seen anyone try as much as, as she did over that weekend. And, you know, she came within inches of actually, you know, yeah. being in the playoff. Um, you know, and I, I, like I remember picking her up from the 18th green in a buggy and, you know, she, she was kind of, you know, she was disappointed and upset by not getting to the magical number of 14 under. Um, but as I said, all we had to do was take a look over our shoulders and see the, fa the amount of fans that were there. You know, young kids, families, uh, women, you know, uh, all, 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 you know, all levels of golfers. And, you know, she was a massive part of actually having that fan base there and the, and the numbers of spectators there. Um, you know, the other thing I suppose we had, we were very lucky that the, the top players from the Ladies European Tour performed during the week. Um, you know, your Lynn Grants, your Annabelle Dimox, um, Clara obviously the winner. You know, they were the, the big names, uh, I suppose, coming into the event and to have them all bat battled out over the weekend. You know, Anne Van Damme was a, was a star amongst the, uh, the spectators there. You know, they, they probably didn't think, they hadn't seen anyone hit a golf ball as far in years in Dramodan. So, um, you know, to see that, uh, in, you know, on, you know, for our members to experience that on their home golf course was fantastic and kind of gave, I suppose, every, every spectator that came there walked away with a lot more admiration. Um, for the talent that the, the women have on tour and you know, and the, and the level of, of skill that they have towards the game of golf. Yeah, I was talking to Laura Beveridge about the, um, about the event mm. and she was saying that at one point she was walking down 11th hole, so it must have been on Saturday, yeah. she's walking down the 11th hole and she could see the throngs of people following Leona mm. on the far side coming down 18. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. There's almost like that, that Bay Hill effect where you're coming around the, the lake and you can hear and see just how big the spectator numbers were. That must have been really exciting and, and, and a big relief to know that there is that appetite for women's golf. Yeah, um, like for, for us, I suppose the you know part of our, our course investment was to create. Um, you know, when we decided that we were going to have the the you know when we went for the Women's Irish Open to be hosting it, and you know part of our, our long-term investment was to actually open up the vistas around the lake, uh, and obviously that played into you know the whole experience for the spectators. We knew that uh, the area around the lake and the castle was going to become a, I suppose a a place where most spectators were going to were going to gather. Um, but when you kind of could actually sit a, sit outside on the tent fairway, and you'd see the 18th and the 11th and the 12th, and you know even as far as 17 you can actually picture thousands of people around it and for for us like you know we i, I know myself and the managing director mark nolan our chairman john o'brien we we sat back there uh sunday evening um uh you know and at one stage there was there must be ten thousand people around that area and you know for us that that kind of said it's the hard work in getting to where we were at that stage was well worth it and you know it was just a, a credit to kind of show the appetite that the irish public have for sport but also the appreciation and the appetite for supporting women's golf um you know we're very fortunate we have some of the best golf course in the in the world here we have some of the best golfers in the world here but there's no doubt we've the best f golf fans in the world here For and sure. you know and i think that was proved over the especially over the four days and, and especially on the weekend um you know it was a credit to the irish public to get out and support the event after a 10-year hiatus and it came down to a dramatic finish there in the end which was yeah which was fitting of the event really it went all the way down to a playoff three-way playoff mm and uh, Clara Spilkova came out on top. Yeah, a, a, f a fabulous young lady, yeah. um, you herself and her, her now husband, fiance at the time, uh, who was uh, caddying for on the bag. You know, Clara would have finished, 
she finished about 45 minutes before the, the final group so I actually spent a bit of time with her up in the range here while she just hit a, hit a few balls to stay loose and you know she she'd already worked out what she was going to do in the playoff uh, she knew it was the 18 toll she'd already decided where she was going if she got her tee shot away what club she was going to hit for the second shot and uh, you know potentially where she was going to miss it um, an incredible lady with a short game um, I think we all saw it in in tournament play on the 17th hole where the shoes and socks came off and she got up and uh, up and down out of the, the water hazard in front of 17 um, that was know, an incredible shot like to even get it out of the water would have yeah, been impressive yeah. but to have got it to a couple of feet a couple, couple of, of inches a couple even. of feet was incredible but it, it kind of it, it, that shot kind of showed number one the talent of, of the ladies but it also kind of showed the spirit of the event where you had one of our volunteers on, who was actually marching the 17th green had a had a chair there and brought her chair over and gave it to Clara while she and, and a towel while then she sat down and put her shoes and socks back on you know and she got a cheer and you know Clara played to the crowd fantastically well and it just added to the whole occasion that finishing stretch of golf um, but you know we, we couldn't have seen a, a you know a more deserving winner um, you know excited to kind of see what the, uh, the chapter towards 23 brings and who will be raising that trophy on a Sunday. That brings us on to 2023. So I've been on site with you now for the day. You can straight away see a lot of work has gone into the golf course. There's new bunkers, new tee boxes, but also just even the, the what will be the players' lounge. Yep. There's been been more investment into the hotel and course here. What can people expect? I, I suppose for us, you know, we're we're always we're always looking to be the best we can be. Um, you know, and that goes to, to you know, the golf course itself was part of that long-term investment. You know, year one was last year, year two is this year. Where um, you know we're putting a full irrigation system into the fairways. Um, we'll have that done for the back nine of the tournament, and we've also added uh, a few additional tournament tees. Um, you know, brand, brand new tee complexes on the ninth, which is uh, you know Risen Ward Par Four, 16th. We've added a new tee complex um, to the left of the original blue, which will bring the the water will, and the river will be more in, in, in view for you from the tee shot and throughout the hole um, and then we've also added a, a few additional bunkers on 11 off the tee and and also two greenside bunkers on the 18th which have been upgraded so again it's about us making sure that we are providing the best um, golfing experience for both our day-to-day -day business and members but also for the tournament coming in September. Um, the clubhouse itself is, is after seeing over a million euro investment um, that has seen an upgrade of all the dining facilities in there um, as well as the kitchen and we're also in the process of just finishing up on the an outdoor dining area which will have you know um, a bit more uh, I suppose a relaxed vibe too which will have TVs uh, you know to allow you know our, our members and guests to kind of sit down and, and watch a bit of sport and a bit of golf um, but again I suppose for for the team here it's kind of a you know we're very lucky that we have a, a board of a board of directors and owners uh, that are fully supportive of what the golfing experience is at Ramond and you know that captivates and everything with a five-star resort um, there's continuous investment in the hotel the uh, our spa is just being uh, is getting close to reopening uh, which will be the third week of May so it's very exciting for the team here and you know to kind of you know we, we've, we've been very lucky that our managing director Mark Nolan is keeping driving everyone forward to ensure that you know not only are we looking after our day-to-day -day business but we're looking to the future as well and and that kind of enables us you know where we've recently been uh, awarded a uh, geocertification when it comes to uh, golf sustainability. Um, so that's been a two-year process uh, where Paul Coleman, our superintendent, has been heavily involved in that. So that goes along with us. I suppose we're, we're tailing our business and everything that we're working towards for the long term. Um, you know, we're not just looking at a short-term vision to ensure that you know we are custodians for a short period in our lifetimes here at Tremont, but it's to ensure that the future generations enjoy it as much as we all have as well.
that's interesting about the sustainability because I remember you cleared out a few trees from the lake, but that was all also with a view to encouraging wildlife back, but also maintaining while wildlife is in the lake. So how do you find, how do you manage that balance? Like for us, it was pro we, we, we effectively brought the lakeland back to its original state 20 years ago. Um, you know, as, as, with any, as with any area itself, if you haven't uh, kept an upkeep on it, you know, it's, different vegetation is going to grow in there. Uh, that wouldn't have been common to the region here. So, um, you know, it's part of our investment last year, we decided to bring it back to what its natural biodiversity was. Um, and we've actually seen straight away that, you know, we have a number of bird species are coming back. Um, you know, the wildlife has actually increased around the area and, you know, and that, that goes alongside with our planting of wildflowers in certain areas, you know, where previously here you would have come, there'd been very little rough, uh, it would have been fairway, uh, light rough, but have always, always been manicured and kept to a certain height. We're now targeting certain areas where we're going to actually, um, you know, increase wildflowers in there to, you know, to see the bee life and natural, sure. um, natural vegetation come back into it. So it's, it's an exciting project to be part of. Um, you know, it is, it is effectively future-proofing the golf course uh, and everything towards, um, you know, 2030s or an A goal. So, um, you know, I think it's, 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 it's a necessity for everyone to kind of look at, um, look at themselves in the mirror and kind of say, what, what can we do better um, from an environmental and a future-proofing our own, our own business going forward? Sure. So getting back to the event later on this mm -hmm. year, we're here on the driving range where it will be filled, uh, filled with professionals yep. sooner than later. There's been a good few changes to the, the infrastructure of the event itself as well. Um, so the tended village will be moving, yep. hospitality has increased, spectator village is moving as well. Mm. It's going to be a much larger infrastructure for the event. Yeah, like, like I suppose the, last year was a, I won't say it was a test to see how the event was, but obviously after a 10 year break, you're kind of, you want to put your feet in, but you don't want to overcommit yourself, you know, because, sure. um, you know, the team, at, you know, the ownership here at Drummond effectively underwrote the event um, alongside our, our partners, um, you know, KPMG, our title sponsors in the Monday and, and Sports Ireland. And so, um, you know, obviously there was a, a fee to be attached to, to that from Drummond. So, the, you know, with the success of it last year, we feel that there is a, a demand um, from a spectator point of view that, you know, more people will, will wish to come and see the, the golfers. And, you know, we're very lucky, I suppose, last year we were, we had a private event going on in the castle that kind of um, made the tent of village. We used it up at our second hotel, the Inn at Drummond. This year we're going to actually bring it all closer to the castle itself, which will kind of bring the whole experience from the corporate hospitality, tent of village and the golf course all, all in the one area. So it's going to be more um, spectator friendly. Um, you know, we see it being bigger, we see it being better. Um, we see the event only going from strength to strength and, you know, with the support of our partners who, you know, are committed to the long term uh, of the Irish Open, which is, which is a, a massive um, investment on their part and is also kind of a, a pat on the back for the work that was done last year. Um, you know, I can only see this event growing and, you know, I suppose we're very fortunate and very thankful that we've, we've you know, the team at Drabone have actually played a part in seeing that, you know, in, that, in, that, in actually seeing the passage of time and seeing where, like, you know, we, we'd like to think that this will be the biggest women's sporting event in the country uh, going forward. Um, and I've no doubt with, with the Irish spectators and the support that they will give that that's, this is just going to grow and grow and you know it's just, a, it's just a great event to be part of and a great event to be kind of at the forefront at the very beginning and you know it's kind of like seeing a little kid growing and you know uh, seeing where it goes in the future is, is very exciting to be part of. So last year there were 25,000 or so spectators yeah. inside over the course of the dates. 
looking for 35,000 or so again this our, year? Our hope, uh, I'm sorry, our hope and uh, I suppose anticipation with that it will reach 35,000. Um, you know, we will be catering all of the facilities to, to that number. Um, you know, and you know, obviously working with the Clare County Council on, you know, with traffic plans and, you know, the Gardaí and that, um, we are kind of looking towards that number itself. You know, our staging partners and, and, and uh, promoters with us, Forefront Sports, Keen Brannigan and his team, you know, we've um, we've all worked uh, behind the scenes over the last couple of months. Where, you know, it, it, we 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 hope that you know that's the level of spectators that come. I think the field itself um, will be uh, an even stronger field than last year. Um, you know, there's a couple of surprises that'll be announced over the coming weeks. Um, you know, player announcements and stuff. So it's um, you know, it's it's again, it's it's making sure that we put we we give a platform for the players to do what they do best, uh, which is play golf, and but also to ensure that people who attend the event, there's a lot more for them to enjoy. And you know, that's working with our partners and that, and you know, Golf Ireland, Sports Ireland, uh, Sports Director, uh, you know, there's a lot, of, a lot of different fan elements that are going to be going on in the village itself. And you know, it's, it's a very exciting um, week, that, you know, first week of September, it, it's a week before the men's event, so it kind of it lads this kind of festival of golf in the Ireland for a two-week period. So it's uh, you know, from a golfing fan, it's a it's a very exciting period to be to be in the uh, to be coming to golf in Ireland. You mentioned the elusive word there, the feel for the event. So yep. there have been a couple of announcements already. Olivia Mahaffey and, mm -hmm. and she'll be in the field, and I'm pretty sure Leon Maguire is is confirmed Leon, Leon as well. Is there anyone else? You mentioned a few big names. We can hold this video to go out until it's <laughs> <laughs> until the day before. We're, um, announced. We're, we're, I suppose, we're, we're just waiting for full confirmation. Sure. Um, but it is, uh, you know, the, I suppose we're very fortunate. The feedback we got from the players last year was that this was the the best event experience in in the 2022 schedule in the Ladies European Tour. Like we got some incredible emails um, from players that were sent to you know, the team at Tremond and you know, it, when, when, you, when you see feedback from that from the players and spectators it makes you think yes the hard work and getting to that point was, was worth it but um, you know I was very lucky enough I met Annika Sorensen at the PGA show in Florida in January and um, you know we, I spoke to her about the event and you know Annika unfortunately she, she, she's caught with a corporate, a corporate side of it but she knew uh, she heard feedback from players who were at the event or players who who knew and other players were at the event, and it was only positive words about, you know, be great to be back in Ireland, great to be, you know, what the event, what Ramona to put on for the players. You know, they felt with the amount of Irish spectators out there and how gracious and knowledgeable Irish golf fans are, they felt it was, be it was better than any major. Um, so when you kind of hear that, you kind of say, yes, we, we've done something right. And if you do it right, and you know, in future, if the prize money can increase, um, you'd like to think that you can track the very best players in the world because, you know, where, where it moves on after Drummond, you know, it is only going to be going to a fantastic golf course in Ireland. And, you know, so I think um, it's an exciting uh, chapter and uh, voyage to see where, where it goes next. Yeah, having spoke to a number of players after the event, they all said how, how well they were treated here mm. above and beyond most tour events. And that coupled with the, the, one of the higher prize funds than the Betty's European Tour, yep. it seemed that from their perspective, it was one of the best weeks of the year for them. So I call credit to you and your team and, and all the partners for that because it was, from yeah. having been here for the week, it, it really did feel like a special week for everyone. Yeah, yeah, and, and you know, to be fair, Irish hospitality is known worldwide. So, you know, we were, we were putting on a show for Irish hospitality and, you know, not just a Drummond side of things or Irish golf, but we were showcasing Irish hospitality to a wider audience. Um, you know, we, it was viewed in, you know, 
123 countries, America, Asia, uh, rest of Europe. So, you know, massive viewership figures um, to see to see not just Ramona but the West of Ireland. So, um, you know, to kind of showcase that and to hear the positive feedback from players on it, um, you know, was something that we're, we all were very proud of it at the at the end of the week. And you know, we, it kind of makes the appetite and what potentially the event this year is going to have uh, even the more kind of exciting to be part of. So, last question then for you for this is. I asked you this before the event last year. People go into the event now this year and mm -hmm. in September. What can they expect from the Women's Irish Open 2023? I, I think anyone who was at it last year will, will straight away walk away and say they, they, they couldn't believe how talented and how good these ladies were at Golf. Um, you know, the, the level of skill is incredible. And I think when um, anyone who comes to the event this year to actually see that up close in front, um, you know, it's, it's incredible. Um, you know, it, we are, we're very lucky that the, I suppose the women are, you know, they're more accommodating for spectators. I, you know, I would like to, you know, from what we experienced last year, um, anyone who asked for an autograph, you know, they were granted it, they were open to photographs. They were so appreciative of the Irish spectator uh, here last year. And, you know, they're, the, I suppose the feedback we've got is, you know, I've been speaking to a few of them on emails and Instagram, they're also looking forward to having a comeback. You know, once the event was confirmed with the date, uh, I got a number of emails straight away. We've already, we, we're in, we've already signed. We're looking forward to seeing you back even in the team. Um, the spectators, we are, you know, that's just the golf side, but there is going to be so much more going on with the Tented Village, you know, from, um, you know, virtual golf games. Um, it's just going to be an endless supply. And, uh, you know, we want to create a family friendly atmosphere, but also with the, with the idea that we are showcasing the very best of women's sport and to give a platform um, where we are, I suppose we're inspiring the next generation of Leonas and Rory's to come through. Um, a person always says to me, if you, if you can see it, you can play it. Um, so with us actually giving, you know, I suppose young girls seeing that there's women out there competing on an international and professional level, you know, gives them the opportunity to say, yes, I could be that person. Um, you know, so it's very, that's one of the very exciting parts for us to kind of say, you know, I had a number of young, we've had a number of young girls who have joined the golf club this year on the back of what they experienced at the okay, Women's Irish yeah. Open. So, uh, and you know, and a number of clubs in the region have said the same thing, that their, their junior programs have increased, uh, especially young girls, because they've seen uh, what was here at Tremoland. And you know, when you, when you hear stuff like that, um, it makes it all, you know, that's the hard work being paid off. Well, looking forward to a, a bigger event this year and I'll be back down here a few more times before then, so looking forward to seeing yeah, you again. Brilliant. Johnny, fantastic. Always a pleasure. Thank Cheers. you. Sports Direct, proud premium partners at this year's KPMG Women's Irish Open. Shop in-store or online at sportsdirect.com. Golf starts here. Now you can also watch that video with Eamon. We recorded that and put that up on our YouTube channel as well as lots of other videos. We have a preview video up on our YouTube channel with Sarah Byrne and Aideen Walsh. Michael and I played a nine-hole match with Sarah and Aideen. Michael and Aideen took the spoils there on the final hole. But it's a great video. It gives a very good sense to the two girls in their two different games. After recording that video, Sarah went on to go and win the Irish Close. And so actually winning that Irish Close Championship got her a spot into the KPMG Women's Irish Open. So we will be seeing her again later on in August. Now, as I mentioned at the top of the podcast, here is our full recap of the Open Championship. Brian Harmon was a brilliant winner. Possibly didn't get me as excited as I would have hoped 
from my champion golf of the year but we're also going to be joined in this live show for a while by brendan lawler brendan was on site at hoy lake he's doing commentary for sky sports so it was great to get his sense of how the event was he's also an open champion winner himself he won the inaugural g4d open so it's great to just catch up with brendan as well and see how he is and how he's getting on as i said at the start of the podcast my audio is a little bit sketchy for this part but bear with me michael sounds great brendan sounds good but that issue has been resolved and for live streams going forward and for the podcast of course that problem will not occur ever again thank you very much guys i appreciate it enjoy the podcast Hey guys, welcome back to another live show on uh, Bogeyman Channels. This is our first major show. Obviously, you can see myself here in the darkness as a light bulb just blew this afternoon. Uh, I'm joined by Michael, co-host on the podcast. Um, we thought we'd do this a couple of times uh, throughout the year, kind of starting with, with the, the Open Championship. We're going to be doing a lot around the Women's Irish Open and then kind of lead up into the Sahan Cup and the Ryder Cup. A few live shows, which would just be a good way of of us is getting started with kind of doing, you know, have, having my conversations with you guys and um, just kind of recapping our initial thoughts immediately after the, the, the bigger competitions like the majors and stuff are kicking off. So, Michael, how are you? What do you make of the Open? I'm good. I kind of sat in front of the TV all day uh, watching it, hoping for some drama, which uh, got a little bit here and there, but nothing as major as, uh, as I kind of hoped um but i enjoyed it uh like literally it's the open so you sit for four days and watch as much of it as possible um i thought i thought i thought like it was i thought hoy lake was a really good venue i i think it lived up to its uh the be a beast um and we got the weather as you always say this the classic links courses its biggest defense is the weather so i think we got a little bit of that today yeah no we definitely did uh so brian Arman, he was the leader obviously going into the event 54 hole leader he personally not 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 like i'm not too excited i'm not too kind of bowled over by brian Harmon winning this i think he's very good he's also super consistent like no one got near got, got near him really going into yesterday i kind of thought that that was going to be the day that he'd maybe drop off a little bit maybe he'd stutter maybe he'd stumble but it, he, he really didn't. He seemed to just kind of hold it together. And saying kind of ran, ran through today, what did you make of his performance? He was just so consistent. Like, I think I think because it was Brian Harmon, we, we actually, I think everyone overlooked how good he was playing and what he was doing. Um, I think it had it been a Ram or Rory or a Spieth or like anyone like that, or Fleetwood even, I think we would have been going, oh, he's incredible. This is unbelievable. But because it was Brian Harmon and it wasn't a big star, we actually kind of overlooked actually how well he played. Um, like I think, I think we had, I kind of had a little bit of a deep dive. Like there's some serious records he broke. Like the stats from the from the, from all those days was actually pretty incredible. Um, so I'm actually gonna not apologise to him because I, I, I he's not a, I'm not a big Brian Brian Harmon fan, but Jesus, he was brilliant. He really was. Yeah, no, he was. He was super. He, um, like, fair, fair play to him. He, he held it together. He was, I mean, th- throughout the entire day, th- the entire day today, and then even yesterday, he was just super consistent. He never really looked like he was going to stutter. He had a couple of holes early on where he, he got a little nervous. Also, he, he knew he knew the day was coming. Even yesterday, he he dropped two shots early enough, but by the sixth hole, had rebounded, and he was all good then. And 
he was kind of back to flying, flying form and full form. Before we get into him properly, though, I want to just introduce, we have a special guest on the show today, uh, and this is a man who has, was on site at Hoy Lake. He's even doing a little bit of commentary for Sky Sports. So welcome to the show, Brendan Lawler. Brendan, how are you? Lads, how's things? How are you? Yeah, we're great, thank you. What's going on? What, how are you? Uh, how are you keeping? Good, good. Sorry for the setting. I was just in the cinema. And it was the longest fucking movie I was ever at. <laughs> Barbie movie, was it? Did you go see the Barbie film? Rebecca wanted to go, and I said, I'm not having it. We went to see the uh, Mission Impossible, so it was good. Oh, nice. Yeah, it was good. So it was a good buzz. How are you boys keeping? Yeah, Great. yeah. What do you make of, uh, of, the, of, the, of the Open? Brian Harmon, Open Champion Golf for the Year. Well, I was talking to a lot of the guys in the RNA during the week, and... A lot of them are saying we're due. We're not saying it's a bad winner, but we're due someone that's not up at the top. So they weren't wrong, but I thought he kept his composure very well to go out in that last round. I know we might have had to. I think this was a six or seven shot lead, five shot lead going mm -hmm. into today. But you still have to bring it home, and it was a lot of rain. You've the likes of McIlroy chasing you, Tommy Fleetwood, some of the greats in the world. So. Defend them boys off. I thought he, he did a pretty good job. Yeah, he did. He's really good. So you were obviously on site. You were there. You were there for a couple of days. What was it like being in Hoylake? It was unreal. Um, the crowds were nuts. It's probably the biggest event I've been to with that many people. It was, I'd say, I think there was fifty, sixty thousand per day, and you couldn't you couldn't see much of the golf. To be honest, it was like if you wanted to see Rory. You had to go four or five holes ahead and just wait and then watch a few groups come through. But the whole atmosphere, the buzz, the weather was lovely for the first few days. Today wasn't as nice with the weather, but it was just a great experience and I think it went down really well. Yeah, just looking at the, the stats, there was over 260,000 spectators uh, at the Open. And that is the largest outside of an Open in St Andrews. And actually surpassed uh, Royal Port Rush in 2019. Yeah, well, look, they're lovely stats because it means the game's growing. And what I, I thought was wonderful as well, the amount of women and, and kids are at, at the golf. It was a frightening amount. And we're trying to grow the game on every side of the pond. And it's lovely to see that cr the crowds are growing on that side too. When it comes to then the, the event itself, as of course playing, you also were on site, you're doing a bit of commentary with with Sky Sports. How did how did how did, how did the course look from you from your perspective kind of on, on the ground? <clears throat> it looked good, to be honest. I thought the scoring would be be better. I know Brian Harmon shot a really good score, but I thought there'd be more boys up there. What made it hard was was the was the bunkers, the pot bunkers on the fairways. Like if you went in one of them, you're chipping out sideways, it's like taking a penalty drop. So you had to be very accurate off the tee. But what I noticed as well was the amount of places where the crowds stepped down all the real bad rough. It could have been 30, 40 yards of like kind of trampled down rough, but a clean light, where some of the fairways were like 20, 30 yards long. So I thought I'd see more of the guys taking a bigger miss or even aiming for grandstands to get a better line, but you didn't see much of that. And I thought that could have happened. And then you were doing a bit of commentary as well with Sky Sports. How did that come about? I think when we spoke last during the, the Irish Open last year, you were you were in the booth with them as well that week. Is that something you're doing a good bit of now? 
Yeah, I'm, actually, I'm doing the Irish Open this year as well. So it's something I really enjoy, to be honest. It's um, it's good because I get a knowledge of the course beforehand. I usually say playing Pro-Am or if you have a G4D event, you're playing the, the course twice. So it's really important to see the layout of the championship course and know where to miss it, know where the pins are tucked and all, all that sort of thing. And we're trying to paint that image in people's heads that, if they can hit the shots and, and how tricky these shots are. Like when you're playing, say, the K Club on an Irish Open week, it's set up a lot different to the K Club on a Tuesday. It's set up a lot tougher, especially where the pins are. They might make the greens a lot firmer. They'll grow up the rough. So these courses are a lot tougher and, and you need to know them. But um, I love it. Um, so so let's talk us through the the event. We saw a video actually with uh, that that the DP World Tour put up where you were going around chatting with a couple of people, kind of given the the day of the life of, of Brendan Lawler on site. Um, what what was the vibe like the week of a major? It was uh, really good. So the Orne invited me this week to join them uh, after the G Forty Open. So I got a message from the guys of the Orne saying that I want to come to the Open. Fill them a wee bit of content, but, but more so just to enjoy the week and do a little bit of wet networking, talk to a few people on the range. And it was unreal. Like, apart from, I went to Port Rush, but apart from that, it was my first major. And the whole, it was such a buzz. I went with my cousin, cousin the same age as me. So we kind of made a trip out of it and we incorporated a good bit of work as well. So, all in all, it was a fantastic week. And so, what days were you, were you on site? Who did you see and who did you get to spend a bit of time with? I got there on Wednesday. So, I was there Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. And I was home this morning. So, we were just bouncing between a few guys. It was it was more so, we got good access to the range. So, you had the likes of Kepler coming on, Murakawa, Larry. And I would have known all these guys from playing weekends on... On the, on the DP World Tour and some events on the PGA Tour. So we've started to gain good relationships. So every time they're walking past, they always stop, say hello, just have have a bullshit really and just chat about general stuff. It's it's not about golf. It's not about the core setup. It's about how's the family and what are you doing this evening? How do you take your mind off going into a lead? It's, it's just general chat. So it's, it's really nice to make them relationships. Yeah, that, that was the question I was going to ask you, Brennan. Like, Harmon had a, he slept on a five-shot lead twice. So, yeah. like, obviously, Johnny and I have never been in a tournament like that. But, I mean, you have, like, when you're when you're in the hunt and you're up the top, but you may not be first, but you're first or second, third, you're kind of in the mix. Like, how do you take your mind off in the evening? And how do you even get to sleep? It's tough. Like, his situation was obviously a lot different than mine. He was leading the open which was was massive and i know i i leaded the open when i was going into it but i'm not saying it's on a smaller scale but it's the first time we've done it but it, it's weird like he's been in contention so many times on the pga tour so if you can bring yourself to a mentality that's just another week it's just another event and he can take the focus off that big hype of oh i might win my first major it's extremely hard to do but he did it he was unreal and I think pre-shot routine and composure is big in that case as well. Yeah, she's got some pre-shot routines. A lot of waggles going on there. I, that, that was tough to watch, to be honest with you. It was very, yeah, it was very funny actually when he when he won today. I was about to post off my Instagram, a picture of him and a picture of me, 
saying we fellas can win opens. <laughs> um, oh, we'll that tomorrow, we'll see what the story is. <laughs> yeah. We'll have we'll, we'll have to chat to you uh, probably about the open uh, your open win in a couple of minutes. But who did you get to see on site? Who were who were you following? And and I guess like who really jumped out to you? I mean, obviously following Rory, there's there's the whole kind of circus that comes with that. But was there anyone kind of that you wouldn't spend a bit of time with that surprised you? Um, I get on very well with Pablo Elazabal from uh, from Spain. He invited yeah. me to his event a few weeks ago, and he's a rocket. He's great crackly. He just loves the pints, loves just having, just chatting about general stuff. And I spent a bit of time with him the last few weeks, and a wee bit of time at the Open. But these guys are so focused. You're not with them for 15, 20 minutes. It's yeah. a one-minute conversation, and they're gone. It was very, it was weird actually. We were on the range on the Thursday and I seen Rory on the Wednesday and he was just bubbly interacting with all the crowd. And then he came on the Thursday, walked onto the range and it was just like a robot gliding across the fairway, just looking at all his prey dead in the eye and not saying nothing. It, it was mental. It was, he just was in that tunnel focus, which was crazy. Because he didn't do any media. He did very, very little. Didn't do any post-round stuff, particularly yesterday. Um, did you get the sense kind of from seeing him from the little time you did get to spend with him that he was a different Rory? It was you know, a bit more business, just a business time? Yeah, but I think that different Rory at majors is not beneficial for him because he hasn't won in so long. And when, when he took that approach last week of doing all his media stuff, joking with the crowd, interacting with everyone, he went out and won the Scottish Open. And that was a pretty heavy field. Like, you had Sheffler at it, you had Ricky Fowler, Justin Thomas, Spieth, some of the best players in the world. And I think he's trying to... Well, when you play golf, if you try and change what you do to be more serious or I'm going to do this, sometimes it doesn't work. And I think that approach for him just, just isn't working at majors. He needs to be more let the hair down, interact. Not, not, cha not change anything because he can win on tour all the time. If you can bring that attitude into majors, it'll be just a different story. You think just a bit more chilled, a bit more like in the Scottish Open, he was laughing, he was chatting to his caddy, like the two of them seem to be in a really kind of fun zone and just kind of go after things. So yeah. I think you, you've definitely got a point that, yeah, just at this stage, I think he probably just wants it so badly. That's you know? the thing. Yeah, and I think he wants it so badly and he's trying to change the outcome for himself where he should just keep to his process. I think that it worked for him. So um, let's talk about Brian Harmon then. Uh, he obviously won. He he is the champion golfer of the year. Did you get to watch much of him when you when you, when you were on site? Who were you commenting on when you when you were with Sky Sports? Uh, I was comment. I done a feature group with um, Jordan Speed, Fitzpatrick, and Jason Day. That's not bad. That's not a, not a bad group to be to be to be seen. It was it was unreal. I think they had nine birdies in the first seven holes between them. They were just firing them in. But Brian Harmon, I didn't see much from him, to be honest. I, I watched him for a few holes, but I read a stat yesterday. And I think he holed 44, no, 39 putts from inside 10 feet. And that was, all he, yeah. that was all he had. He had he made 58 out of 59 putts inside 10 feet over the four days. So you probably saw it on the, whichever day you were commentating, you saw the stat. Like, yeah, that's incredible. And that deserves to win. If, if you can put like that and you can put like a demon, because he's not short off the tee, but he's not a Rory McIlroy. 
and he has to depend his putting and he's going to make birdies if you can make that many putts you're going to win a lot of stuff got a question in here from anthony who's actually watching the live show at the moment can the simple solution for rory be to park company with his caddy then do you think the caddy should take the lead at this stage and initiate the breakup Jeez, I didn't think we were going to get that deep into it that quickly. Let's let okay. Let's let's talk the Harry Diamond situation. I think we, we've both said before. I don't. I for me personally, I don't care that Harry has is Roy's good friend, but he's been on the bag now seven, eight years. And if you've had a caddy on your bag and you're Roy McIlroy and you have no majors in that time, I think you need some kind of change. Whether it's the caddy, possibly. Whether it's not, you know who knows. Yeah, like, it's it's very tough. Like, if you look at longevity with Rory, he hasn't lost, he hasn't left the top 10 in, is it 12 years? Yeah. And th you're not playing shit golf if you're not leaving the top 10 in the world. Of course. But yes, he's not winning majors. People define someone on a major, but if you look at Rory, I'm not sticking up for him. I am a fan of Rory, but if you look at him from outside of the majors, He's Tiger-esque. Him, John Ram, Scotty Scheffler. Win loads of tournaments, come in top five every week. I don't like this perception of you have to win to be unreal or you have to sack someone. If you went to any other average, any golfer on tour and they had the resume Rory had for one year, that's a fantastic year. Yeah. So I, think, I think people are, I think they can be a wee bit harsh on just judging him on what he wins and stuff yeah, like, that's just my opinion he's had seven top tens in the la in his last eight majors yeah but I, I think the one that matters the most which is the, the masters he's got missed cut second mm -hmm. missed cut it's like it's it's tough for him when especially when like the Scottish Open was a great win it was a brilliant win for him but like we said this in the podcast he doesn't like that wasn't the main event for him that wasn't why he went over to the UK? He didn't go over there to work there to win the Scottish. He went there to win the Open. Yeah. And when when you're Roy McIlroy, there's you know there's only really one thing that matters to the resume, and that's yeah, doing the career Grand Slam. That's that's yeah. kind of it. I mean, obviously he gave his post round press press interview there. Um, he's talking to, to Sky Sports, and he was saying that instantly now he's not looking back anymore. He's not looking back in the majors and on his and his year. He's looking forward to two things, and that's retaining the FedEx Cup and the race to Dubai. So obviously he's he's targeted those again as his kind of his his focus for this season. But um yeah I, I think it gets harder and harder to, to to make the argument for keeping the caddy. Yeah it's just I think the more pressure you put on yourself the less it's gonna happen and you can see in his demeanor on a major week he's a different person. He's yeah. like, I feel, I, I think he looks tense. I think he's very jittery. And w when you hear him cancelling his media requirements the week of the open and not do it, why change what's working? There's no need. You know what I mean? That's very true. That's very true. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. But I think he, like, Rory's a funny one. He's, we'll, we'll move on from the Rory conversation because we, we've, we've done Rory to death. But he's a funny one because he's tried everything. He's done the treating it really importantly, treating it not like, it, like it's a regular week. Because he's obviously been on, on the circuit for so long and he's done so much, he has uh, he's kind of tried everything at this point. It's just a case of, you know, does it does it all fit together on the right week? Let's talk about yeah. um, 
let's talk about another European player from the Ryder Cup perspective. Obviously, it's a big year coming up. John Ram. John Ram was the one for me who I thought was going to run, run Harmon down. And the biggest disappointment for me, no offense to Cam Young, but if I fully believe if John Ram was in that final group, he would have scared Brian Harmon a bit more and we would have had a, a bit more of a showdown. Yeah, I, I think you're right, to be honest. But I think props for Harmon. When you see someone play shit, it could drag you down to their level. Yeah. And he didn't, and he kind of engaged in it in the first four holes because he was too over early. But he'd yeah. done the same yesterday. He was too over after four, I think, and finished, what, two, three under for his round? Yeah. So he can dig deep. So I don't think anything like that phases him. But you're right, if if you had Ram chasing you in the same group, and if he bogeyed the first four and Ram maybe was two under after four, it's a four-shot flip and there's only one shot in it. It's a different game then. But... Yeah. This is all hindsight, you know what I mean? It's it's very it's very tough to say it could have went either way. I I think he did very well to win it. I don't know I don't know if you saw Max Homer's interview at one stage and he was playing with Rory and he said it was he said it was a nightmare because he says Rory would hit and then John Ram would just or the, the fans would all try and move and walk away and Max Homer was like, oh, okay, no one like it's the sound of people walking everywhere. And he says yeah. people people are giving a bit of a heckle, been like, Oh, come on, Homer, hit your shot. We're not here to see you anyway. Like, come on. Uh, and like he he was just saying that he he in his press conference, he said he kind of enjoyed the bit of banter, but he was saying, like, that was tough to play with Rory. And you wonder if Wyndham Clark had played with Rory in the final of the US Open. If Harmon had played at Rory in the in the pairing of this, you wonder would all of that been too much on those lads, considering as we as you said, Rory is kind of tiger esque. Yeah. Yeah, I think you're right. And and it is tough for the crowds. The crowds are very sort of I wouldn't say they don't care because they do stay quiet and away for your shots, but there's so much going on around you. And yes, there's more people focused on Rory group. But there was a big group following Harmon as well today. There would have been thousands of people following him because he's winning. So there's always people going to be moving and, and that's a distraction. They, them boys train themselves for that stuff not to distract them. Yeah. But it, it it probably annoyed Max today. It got in his head a wee bit and maybe he was a wee bit in awe of the, of the occasion. But I think he's a fabulous player and I, I think Max will be a major winner pretty soon himself. Yeah, Johnny. Johnny's a big fan of Max Homa. He backed him for a couple of tournaments. Yeah, every yeah. Day. I, thought, I thought Max would do better at LACC. I'll be honest. I thought Max in California would be kind of a, a bit of a shoe in, to be honest. Really? I thought. Yeah, I mean, he's got a couple of his wins there. Obviously, one with Genesis up the road. I thought LACC would have suited him, but um, what was I wrong? Has he missed another one? <laughs> <laughs> um, so listen, let's talk. Let's talk about your own win this year it's the inaugural g4d first of all how, how was that open that was like that's massive it was unbelievable like like we do g4d events on the european tour but this was a different gravy just the level of organization when you got there the players lounge everything was done for you like within a pinpoint perfect it was incredible and it was just like I don't want to go into the motivation part of golf, but this year we moved to Monday and Tuesday on DP World Tour and less people can see what we do. And I found it very demotivating and I couldn't get that spark back as in, oh, what's the point in winning? And this is my attitude. It's 
it's an attitude I, sh I shouldn't have had. But we were sort of playing. No one was watching us. Caddies were walking onto the greens. I just felt a wee bit disrespectful about our tournament. But I regained the spark that week. It was There was loads of people watching. People really respected what we did. Um, there was big, big crowds there following. Just general people coming to watch. And I needed that in my game. I didn't win in, I think it was 13 months. And I think I needed that spark where just to refocus myself and get the job done. Because even the, the last day was a was a showdown between your world number two, it was a showdown between you and Kip Offert. So it was really like the two titans of, of, of your game going at it, which I'm sure was a, was a brilliant match. So when I come, when came to winning that, like what was it? Was it relief or was it renewed energy? Because you said that you kind of lost a bit of a spark there. Yeah, it was it was a weird day as well because I, I had a one-shot lead going out. And I did two. I was two shots down with the third hole. You didn't so, have a. You didn't have a great start. It was a horrific. Start. <laughs> you were. You were doing it for the drama. You were doing it for the fans. You know, make make it really contested. Yeah, the story built up. I was building up the story. Well, no, it was it was mad because Kip was spraying it all week. It was like not. It was like a Brian Harmon thing. He told me his stats for that week, and he holed forty four out of forty six putts from inside ten feet that week. And I don't keep that them shitty stats. I, well, it's great stats. <laughs> I'm not focusing on all that stuff. I'm just going out and playing my game. But I probably had the worst putting week I had all year. But my tee to green, I hit 52 greens out of 56. Sorry, 52 greens out of 54. And I think I averaged maybe 30 putts around. But my ball striking was unreal. And it was a ball striking course. So I was playing with Kip the last day. And he was spraying in a wee bit. He was behind trees chipping out getting up and down for par where i was down the fairway hitting the green two putts par five that's how i was making my birdies i'd hit it down the middle hit three with middle of the green another two putts then i suddenly three put a green right to level par then i might hold stitch and wedge like two feet they're all tappings it wasn't necessarily holding two three thirty footers in a round it was just sort of stress-free golf but as I went, I went two shots behind. I said, Dad turned around and said, you need to just keep focusing. He's spraying it. You just need to keep making pars. He'll make bogeys. And that's what happened. I made a really good par, or I made a really good birdie on 10, and he bogeyed it. So that was a two-shot swing. And that got me back to level. And I think he bogeyed 15. And I parred it. So that got me one up. So then we had three to play, and I was one up in the last... And he was up first. So it flipped in some way. I can't really remember how it happened. But he pushed this drive right. And I and I didn't know he had to take an unplayable at the time. I, I was just up next. So I hit driver, ripped it down the middle. Really, really good drive. And we went up to his ball and he had was just, he was marking it and was taking club lengths. And I was like, Thank fuck he's doing that. <laughs> it just took a relief off. So then he, he was hitting three, hit his third into the bunker, four to about 15 feet and hold the bogey putt. And I have about 15 feet for for birdie. So I kind of knew just cozy this one up, take your two putts in the way and, and, and won the event by two shots in the end, which was incredible. Like it, it, it's a pretty big, like it's it's the first open major. Uh, you know, it's, it's pretty, like it is history. You're the first winner of it. Yeah. And, and, and that's the beautiful thing about it. Like, I'd be very lucky to be the first to do a lot of things in disability golf and, and just keep adding to the resume. It's, it's such a special thing to do. And 
we're just creating a path for more people to do it. We're trying to make it more financially secure for many more disability athletes and we're doing well. We're, we, I think we might have 12 events next year in DP World Tour. So if we can start introducing a wee bit of prize money, more people are going to come out of the webworks and it'll be competitive. I was, I was trying to find a photo of the trophy online. You didn't, I couldn't find one. What is it like? It's one of my Instagram. Is it it's, uh, have a look. it's actually very weird. It's, it's one you can't fill, which was a nightmare. Coming <laughs> <laughs> out everywhere. But um, the cool thing about the Open was I can design next year's trophy. Oh, so, that is cool. Yeah, so we've had meetings with the ORNA for the last few weeks. And I'm meeting them at Wentworth this year, and we're going to design the trophy. So it's going to be pretty cool. That's amazing. That's great. Yeah. So then after after the win, uh, and it kind of in and around that time as well, um, you also put out the video kind of responding to a lot of... A lot, a lot, a lot of negative talk that kind of went went on, and I was directed at you. Like, yeah. Can you talk to us about what what happened, what happened there, and and, and how the idea for the video came about? Because the response then yeah. on the back of that video was was rightly just amazing and incredibly supportive of you. Yeah, it got a lot of feedback, and it was it was a nervous one as well because I didn't know what to do because it wasn't a sympathy vote. I wasn't looking for people to text me saying, "Oh, you okay?" Because I don't care about that stuff. I basically done it to a lot of disability golfers are going to be in the limelight in the next coming years, hopefully 10, 15, 20 years. And the slander online, they don't deserve to get that. And some of them mightn't be mentally strong enough to take it either. I am. I don't care. I grew up my whole life with it. But if they could take an example and be like, give basically give them a coping mechanism to deal with the hate online. And I just told it was a great opportunity to do it. And I dropped it right before the open. It probably wasn't the best time to drop it because I had a lot of media feedback and I wouldn't say it was overwhelming, but there was a lot of focus on it. And when I got to the open, then they brought it up, but in every interview and they were focusing on all this thing with social media. And I was trying to focus on the tournament, but again, it wasn't a publicity stunt. It was just to make people aware of just to keep your horns in on, on social media and just think about people's feelings every now and again. Yeah, no, you're dead right. And listen, I said, like I said, rightly so. You got you got a lot of support, and uh, you are a, a trailblazer when it comes to disability golf. You said yourself, you're the you're the first person to do a lot of things when it comes to disability golf, not just in Ireland but but globally. So with that, what's what's coming up next for you? What's next? Well, a week and a half later, I went to Sweden, and I think I was still hungover because I celebrated that win for about <laughs> eight days in a row. But you have to celebrate these things. Um, yeah, so the Open this week, just a bit of work with Sky. Yeah, I'm in Galgorm now in three weeks for the ISPS Handed Championship. Um, I have a week's work at the Irish Open with Sky as well. Nice. And we have, we have some media stuff planned too. We have The week after that, we've Wentworth. Uh, the BMW Championship. I think the Ryder Cup's in around then as well. Mm -hmm. So I had a few chats with the Ryder Cup when I was over there. So I could be incorporating something at the Ryder Cup, fingers crossed. And we chat with Nicholas Goldstar the weekend, so I have to keep in touch with him whether we can sort something out with you. <laughs> it's going to be busy, very busy end of the year, and we're in Dubai in Australia in November. It's great, though. I'm, I'm, I'm doing what I love to do, and I'm very lucky to travel the world doing it. Fantastic. 
that's amazing, man. That's 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 so I'm delighted to hear that and, and throughout the sea doing so well. Love it, hey. Thanks very much. No worries. Listen, we'll let you go. Uh I'm glad you enjoyed Mission Possible. Go go check out Oppenheimer <laughs> and, Bar- and Barbie next. Which, which would you guys see first, Barbie or Oppenheimer? Well, uh, Rebecca said Barbie, and I said, "Yeah, some chance go with your mother or not." <laughs> that's I don't, I don't know. Barbie. I don't know. Don't Margaret, Margaret, don't Margaret, Margaret Robbie's in it. Margaret man. Robbie. Yeah, <laughs> that's what I was about yeah, to say. Never seen. Rebecca's <laughs> <laughs> here. <laughs> <laughs> all right. We're gonna let you go before you get us in trouble. All right. Yeah. <laughs> no worries, lads. Come here. Thanks very much. Have me on. I'll chat to you soon. Take, right, take right. care. Yeah. You there, right. boys. Right, jeez, uh, he's, he's a gas man, and I'm, I'm thrilled to see him doing so well. Really, yeah. honestly, I'm, I'm thrilled. Yeah, what a legend. Yeah. So, we we, we didn't get to a couple of things. Um, yeah. We, we still have a good few talking points. Brian Harmon obviously did, did incredibly well. I don't think we, we've, we've gone into, like, quite what this means for him. You were saying, like, you, we got some notes here that this is his first major and first win in 2,268 days. So, yeah, like, yeah. 2017. Yeah, like, that's like, that's a long time. It's a long time to go without winning. Especially, he was kind of in the mix there in, in Scotland last week. You knew he was trending. A few and, people did pick him this week. And, like, last year, he, like, he did well in St. Andrews as well. I think he was, was he sixth or seventh in St. Andrews last year. Hmm. Doing so, it's a long time to go there to win. But I mean, listen, I think you and I, we've always talked about you'd trade in Wells Fargo and the Barracuda and all that for one major. You know, you'd oh, trade yeah. in a rake of normal PGA or DP World Tour events for the major. Uh, other thing that like, I thought was really interesting is he's 114th in driving distance on the PGA Tour, 14th in driving accuracy, but fourth in scrambling. I guess you kind of have to be like if. If your game is not built off of off a distance, you have to be accurate and you have to be able to get up and down because, like, 18th hole today is a per- perfect example of it. He he hit his driver. He laid up to 200 yards for some reason. Don't know why he laid up to that number, and then hits it into the greenside bunker on 18, but gets up and down. Like, if that's what your game is built off of, you just have to be. You have to be doing this. You have yeah. to get up and down. Like, I, I, the other thing I was just thinking about, it, it is very nice. I was thinking about it because it's very nice to see that there's a different golfer winning. As in, we're talking about, oh, roll back the ball and the driver does this and these lads hit it a mile. And you're going, well, you know, it's not always the guy who hits it the furthest is going to win. Like, there's a fella who's so solid. Uh, he's not a tiny short, like he's not, but he he was like he was so consistent and he was so drilled that it's not just the big hitters that win i think we always talk about there has to be a bit more villains has to be a bit more heroes in in golf there have to be lads who who hit the ball different who choose different things um like i think it's really good for the game and i know it's not a standout star and as we talk about, i think that's why people weren't that happy maybe didn't like this major enough because there wasn't a full duel with massive big stars yeah. But he, Brian Harmon, it could be another way for him to go. Like he's probably he's probably he's gonna be in a Ryder Cup now. Yeah. Uh I I don't if I was in the European team, I wouldn't want to play him in a singles match in in, in Rome. Yeah, I don't know. It's, it's it's interesting. Um I I like I don't think Brian Harmon would have been on either of our teams if we were to pick the nope. US Ryder Cup team. Def- definitely so, not. So by virtue of that. Whose spot is he taking? 
you know, yeah. we've we, we spoken at length before about how strong the US team is. Like, if you, yeah. if you have like a, a Max Homa or a JT or a Jordan or a Ricky who, or a Fino, like, qualified, but like JT hasn't, like, yeah, like, has, has Brian Harmon taken JT's spot now? It'd be very or, hard, or, or, or someone else's. Like, yeah, yeah, I, I think it'd be very hard for Zach Johnson not to pick him, considering he's the winner of the last major and was so consistent, and no one got near him. And he was five shots, another five shots. No one even got near minus nine, let alone minus thirteen. Mm. Like literally, no one laid a glove on him. There was at the very start of today when Rory put three or four, three birdies in a row. Ram was doing stuff, and Harmon bogeyed. Was he bogeyed two? There was a little bit of. What's going to happen? But then that was after that was nothing else. I think you text me. I'd say there was still about two and a half hours left in the in the golf tournament, and you just stretch yeah. me going, "This is done. Harmon has it. We're just watching a procession here." And I replied, "No, this is going to be drama. It's going to be drama." But you were dead right. It was it was game over. Yeah, but I mean, like, look, I, I'm glad I was right. <laughs> but I was, I would have like anyone else liked a little bit of drama. Uh, Mark Sheehan is commenting here. Um, he thinks that. That Brian should be taking JT's spot at the moment. I think that's off of current form. Yeah, I mean it's impossible to argue with that. Really, I think to say that JT won't kind of turn it on and, and find something for the week of the event, um, I, I think that'd be pretty incorrect to say. It's kind of comes back to that Sevy story that Roddy was telling us, mm. where Sevy couldn't hit the golf ball out of his own way. Like he was playing shocking, mm. but he just managed to find it and turn it on for that. That final day for that final singles match and took the match down like 16 holes, uh, 16, 17 holes. He lost the match, but he took it so far that he was able to give the, the European team enough motivation to, to go on and win the Ryder Cup. I think JT is a kind of character where he'd kind of do something like that. Do you think? I, I think I, he is. I, yeah. I, 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 lo- I love JT, but I think his, from looking at him, he looks shocked. He doesn't look in a good place. I think because he's got gone, he's because he he's not playing atrociously, but he's hitting one decent enough shot, and then and then he's just hitting a stupid shot. Mm. So I just don't think he knows what's going on. Yeah, I think that's the case. I think um, one one man who who really stepped up and was a you know from the from round one in particular, um, the the amateur. Was his name? Uh, Christo Lemprecht, six foot yes. eight. Um, a huge is, month. He's a he, he's a big boy, all right. A monster, a winner of the silver medal. Um, a, a, he had a brilliant start to the brilliant brilliant start to to the to the major. You know, he he did really really well. He did he did fantastically well. Um, he obviously kind of he, he struggled when it came to the second round. He he had to sleep on that lead, and again, it was a, it was a considerable enough lead. as a couple of shots. He then just got, I think, like any amateur would, unless you're Sam Bennett at the Masters. Yeah. He got a little, he got a little nervous, and the moment kind of caught up with him. Um, but fair play, this one winning the silver medal, a little amateur, um, making the weekend, and and that was just really, really impressive. I think that's that's um, a very, very cool story. Yeah, it was kind of interesting. I was watching a bit of it, and the guy said that because he was so tall growing up, he kept jumping in 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 height, so his clubs never really fit him. So it's actually his swing where he bends his knees is from when he was younger, where he had to actually bend to get down to the ball for the club to hit it. And it's just now in his swing, even though his clubs fit him now. So if you ever, if you watch him swing, it's up. And then there's a whole big 
down and knees bent and then hits it. It's strange, yeah. but they were saying that came from the club's not fitting him and he generally had to bring the club down to get the ball. It's mad because um, his swing looks like he's a little bit scoopy and they're trying yeah. to have the ball, but that's obviously just because the clubs are too short. That is, that's a great start. That's really good. Yeah, yeah so I thought, I thought that was cool. Um, Another yeah. good story from, from the weekend, from the event itself. Matthew Jordan, right? So, 27 years old, qualified uh, into the Open Championship to final qualifying a couple of weeks ago. But he's actually, he's also like, as everyone knows, as the video went around, he's a member of World Liverpool. He was the first person to hit a tee shot at the Open this year. He grew up just down the road in West Kirby, lives in Hoylake, third generation of his family to be a member of this golf club as well. Um, obviously, he played in the DP World Tour, but when he's not, not on tour, this is, uh, this is where he practices. And like to be fair, he finished what tie for eleventh, four under. Uh, I think did he get to ten? He might have got to. I think he got top ten. I think he squeezed 10. in top ten. Yeah, I think he got into the top ten because yeah, I only realised I saw a video of him arriving back into the clubhouse. That's class. And there was like massive cheers and all the the locals that he knows were in there and, and having beers and stuff. I thought that like I I think it was on the DP World Tour. Like that's the sort of stuff that you and I were saying. Home opens the Canadian Open. Bob McIntyre going into the Scottish, and then it was like he was going into his home, home, home. Like he couldn't have been closer. Um, uh, and he did a bit of it sky, I think, on the range as well. And um, I just a really likable guy, really likable guy. And he was just so buzzed to be there. Um, so yeah. I think, yeah, I think right, that was a really cool story. Um, yeah, he also he's got the course record, shot, shot sixty two around there. So that record hadn't been broken uh, this week, which I think is a nice little story for him. He's also uh, he's, he's part of Team Callaway as as we are now as well. So yeah. uh, for anyone that doesn't know at this point, the Bogey Manors supported by Callaway Golf. We were obviously down in Hinch. Uh, we were head down in County Clare for uh, this week just gone. We were filming season three of Tea Time, our golf travel series, where we played the Hinch Castle Course, Trump Bag, Shannon Golf Club, and the Hinch Old Course. Um, we filmed all of it. We'll be putting that out. We've got interviews with kind of with some golf experts coming in. But that series and the podcast are all supported by Callaway Golf. So you'll see us now rocking Callaway hats, wearing Callaway gloves, losing Callaway golf balls. Yeah, uh, but I will. Kind of stuff. I will say the fact we had a caddy in La Hinch. You went round the whole eighteen without losing the ball, and I lost one ball. Yeah, made a massive difference. Shot, shot so, nine over. Uh, shot nine over in, in La Hinch with uh, one ball. First time yeah. I was now, so I think we need to we need to somehow get a caddy for old Connor uh, and <laughs> any to where we play in power scores with a few mates. We get a caddy. I'm telling you, Mark, shout out to Martin who'd walk past my shoulder. Two balls on the left, kid. That's two balls out on the right. They're dead straight. I think I, I held a few putts I had no business doing, all because Martin was <laughs> guiding me around. Um, oh, I was trying to remember what he said to you on the second hole. He had a oh, yeah, it's, uh, this was brilliant. Uh, it's a flyer lie, hit a high, let the ball die. The man, <laughs> the man, the man spoke in riddles every, uh, every time he was giving me a tip or yeah. giving me a line or anything. It was great. It, he was at uh, his class. He was just, and all think, the time there are as well. Like we were, we were talking to, to Tony, the, the head caddy master. And there's a group of Americans, as there more often than not, always is. Playing play the hinge and playing some of these big kind of trophy courses. And so, in this group of Americans, the, the, the main guy or the league guy, his best friend about 40 odd years ago, 
went to the hitch. And his caddy was this 10-year-old kid named Ollie. So the 10-year-old kid, kid back then was caddying for him, put him around the golf course. This American came back 38 years later. And as he was on the first tee, he was getting his caddy. And he was like, is, um, is this kid Ollie? Is he still, is he still caddying here? And bear in mind, it's 38 years later. So the 10-year-old is now 48. He's no longer a kid. So this also just tells you how, how old this American guy was. And so not only was Ollie still caddying, he was actually walking off 18 green at that exact moment. And they, they reunited and Ollie went out and looped again for, for that, that American for another 18 holes. And um, the, Ollie was presented by, by that American's uh, best friend, a photograph, like a framed photograph of, uh, of Ollie and the American when he was 10 years old and then 48 years old, 38 years later. It was a lovely little thing that we managed to catch on the camera. And that's what oh, makes like, so cool. it like a hinge. And, and that trip in general for us is so special when you get to, you get to just meet people, hear those stories, and um, just get to share those stories on our platform as well. It's really, really cool. Yeah, it was an uh, unbe unbelievable trip. And like, I think for me anyway, having a looking at playing that, like, it's gonna it's gonna take something big to beat that golf trip. The the uniqueness of it and the history of it, and just how like, the how friendly people were and everything. So, if anyone is planning a golf trip, Claire, I'm telling you, <laughs> you will not go wrong on many accounts going to Claire. Yeah, I mean, obviously, we, we, we got it. I'm in Clare a lot. We're going to be in Clare later on for the Women's Irish Open. We work with Dromola, and so because we work with Dromola so much, we, we decided not to include them in this series because we're going to be on site for the Women's Irish Open. But that is all brought to you by Sports Direct. And actually, the week of the Women's Irish Open, the Tuesday and the Wednesday of that show, we of that the tournament, we are going to be doing live from the range. It's exactly what, kind of, what like Sky Sports do. But on the Tuesday and Wednesday, we're going to be live streaming from the driving range of the Women's Irish Open. We're going to have challenge videos with tour players, interviews with them. We'll be doing live Q&As and everything with them during, during an hour and a half, two hour long live show. So we're going to be going to be doing plenty down in the hinge. But um, we're straight away from the original plan of yeah. the live stream, which was the the, the Open Championship. So let's, let's, just, let's just get back on track. Tommy Fleetwood. Oh man, I've never seen a man so upset. Uh, was it Friday, Saturday? Yeah. He was just—he looked. I just wanted to give him a hug. He just looked so down. Uh, and even today, he—he he made one birdie. Yeah, yeah, and then like seventeen, like killed him. That was that was so so. I was genuinely pretty hard to watch. Was seventeen yeah, where he had to chip the ball like four foot forward just to give himself a backswing yeah that short on like as well and you're like oh god Tommy what are you doing yourself I, I think I think coming back to a point we made earlier when he was in the group with Harmon he put zero pressure on him yeah and I think that that like no one seemed to put pressure on Harmon and you're kind of going Tommy you need to do this you're a ball striker everything is suited for you and I think I I don't even think it was the pressure of being in Liverpool and the Tommy lad, let's go Tommy lad. I don't think that was, I don't think that even was a factor. I just, I don't know. I think you have a theory on, on, on Tommy, which it's looking more and more like you're right, but I don't, I don't want to believe it. <laughs> so I guess with all the Brian Harmon being into his hunting these days, I, I, I have come up with a with a, a, a metric for, for measuring players 
and that is, uh, is he a hunter or is he a gatherer? So yeah. hunter will go out and he'll he'll go he'll go and get the win and he'll 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 make his make he'll do whatever it takes to get the win. That's what a hunter will do. He'll stay out there and he'll work as persistent and be as patient as possible to get that win. Um, and a gatherer will just kind of survive. We'll say, um, not not rock up too many wins. But kind of a lot of constant top tens, top top fives to keep their tour card and, and be in conversations, but yeah. not 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 be would not be a winner. And uh, Tom yeah. Tom is released. He's not a hunter anyway. Yeah, I don't think he's got that. I'm hopeful he'll a get killer the killer. Instinct. Yeah, I don't think he's got that killer instinct. And if you look back at like, was he second to Shane in in Port Rush or was he third or something? Like he he's second all the time, third second or third all the time. Um, I know Ryder Cup he was he was brilliant, but he had a he had a partner, he had Malnari, so it's a different kind of feeling. You've got someone to buzz off. Um so it's not it isn't yeah, it was so disappointing. Yeah, no, it, it it was a little bit, but it was I don't I don't think anyone was gonna catch was gonna be catching Brian Armand in the end. No. Um Seth Stracker, when it comes if we want to look at this from the European perspective, he had another good, another good result. Kind of matched that with his two seventh PGA. He won the John Deere. Mm. Um, he's he, he was impressive, and it, yeah. off the tee, he was very impressive. He had a couple of drives that were were nice and big, but dead straight. So again, from a European point of view, if he's gonna be hitting drive, go off the tee with his driver in a tight, narrow fairway, that's pretty good. I mean, he also was on the uh, the European team for the Hero Cup. Uh, this year, which they beat GB and I, so I know Donald was involved in picking who was to go with who, and there was playing captains, and so and he did quite well there as well. So it, he's in; he's played team golf before, but I think he, he's just really started to improve. You know, T's as you said, T's and PG, and then after the John Deere, he just seems to be full of confidence. Yeah, I think the European team is starting to take shape and pick itself a little bit more. I think. Yeah, we, we can pretty much guarantee that Seth Strack is going to be on this team, whether he's uh, yeah. whether he's a pick or whether he qualifies to the European points. I imagine, this, I imagine with this results, he is going to be on the uh, one of my qualifier picks at this point. Yeah, I'd say so. The bunkers then were a pretty big storyline. I think we I, yeah I actually like it. they, they want to like that. I, I like it. We got we got one one question in earlier on, just uh, saying that. This person felt that Ian felt that the bunkers ruined the course and ruined the 18th, which I completely disagree with. I thought it was brilliant. I thought it was, I thought the chaos was amazing. I, I loved how uh, how you didn't have awful light, how you were up against the face of it. I think that the whole point of the bunkers, if you know that the ball could run up to the face of the bunker, yeah, you got, you got to just take like a half a club less or a club less. And it build that into strategy. You can't it's, just because the ball can roll up to the face doesn't mean you change the outline of, or the layout of the bunkers. Yeah, like I think that they are a hazard. And I think you know when you normally watch a normal PGA tour, there's lads even going. I was actually aiming for the bunker because I knew it would be easier than the chip. So, um, yeah. So listen, I I I, I love that. I think Fino's Fino's won. I think I sent you. He he was up the face and he turned and got his putter and then he put yeah. it in backwards into the bunker just to have a shot out like brilliant 
it's it's they're the best golfers in the world. I want to see them do things. I want to see them come out with stuff going. Jeez, that was amazing. And after being in La Hinch, it was a couple of bunkers in La Hinch and in Dunbeg. I was in for a while. Like you do, you do realize going. She's like these lads are seriously good, and you want to see them get out of really tough spots. Yeah, no, that's that's very true. Um, I think that's kind of the main, the main talking point for us. You've got visitors there in, in the room just off camera, that you got to tuck into bed. But next week is the Monday Evian Championship. It's another women's major. Uh, we might do this again next week. We'll see what it's like. Uh, God bless, more than happy with this. If you enjoy this, uh, we'll, we'll do plenty more. But we'll be doing a live stream from the uh, range. The women's Irish Open. Uh, so lots more of these, these streams to come. Thank you very much. On the tee, Jack Nicholas. This is the minute the millions around the world have waited for. We will allow you to enjoy all of this. They are dancing in the pubs of Dublin. Harrington with an ace. And we have a shining star at sunset. Rory continues his run to greatness. The return to glory.